0: On the top fence of the jail, right? Yeah. And I remember yeah. looking down, thinking if I fall, I'm fucking dead, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, raise, so I got raise up there. a like, wire on
1: that, too, like.
0: Not yet. This was just those sharp prongs that I could see down on the oh, floor, okay, but anyway, yep, I got to yep. that fence. I end up getting up there, and basically, I'm on top of the fence. But the problem is, I'm still like 75 meters from the exit, from the perimeter. Yep. So I start creep along that fence. Like this, like this, right? Thinking I'm on the way to freedom. One of the officers um, with the big turban, I'll never forget it, he's, it's night time. It's like 7.30, 8 o'clock. He's seen me up on the gate, if you can just imagine. He's got straight on the radio, fucking red alert, he's called the squad, the MEU. Obviously, they've contacted the coppers. So I've had to run them, man. I've had to skip through razor wire, cutting my legs to pieces, and then I launched off the top of that barrel, man, and I I just, like, like my plan was always to get to that point and lower myself down, and then hopefully (laughs) drop to freedom, but I broke my arm like it was black and blue from my shoulder to my wrist was black, bro. So, this arm, completely out of order. I'm running like a motherfucker towards Parramatta River, right? My plan was always to swim across Parramatta River, right? Shark Infested River. Yeah. I get to the bottom of the street. I've had to climb a couple of fences with one arm, By this time the squad's just coming down right. I managed to get over those fences and I dive into the river, bro. I'm bleeding. It was pitch dark, too. You couldn't see a fucking thing on the river. Behind me, I could see all their flashlights. You could hear the dogs going off their fucking head, but they couldn't get to me, bro, because I bounced a couple of other fences, and unless they started ducking dogs over the fences, yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. I don't know how they did. Pitch dark. The river is so wide there, bro. It's like a hundred meters across from there, right? Yep, yep. I'm swimming, like petrified. I'm thinking things are gonna sharks are gonna bite me. Whole air is in the air, bro. The cop is on its way. Water police is coming up fucking Parramatta River to search for me. By this time I make it into the mangrove.
1: What's up, guys? Back again with another episode of the Tonksy Media Podcast. Today's guest needs no introduction. He's the absolute OG of addiction and recovery. He spent 17 years in the pain, hurt, and misery of active heroin addiction and has lived a life from one end of the spectrum to the other. Guys, please welcome the man himself, Danny Shannon. Welcome, bro.
0: Thanks so much, Tonksy. Absolute pleasure to be here, mate. I'm actually... Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm really looking forward to it. Mate.
1: That's good, mate. Good. It's been a long time coming. You've been a um, a guest that I've wanted to get on for a while now. So um, yeah, let's let's uh, put out a good message, bro, and, and do a ripper of a podcast, eh?
0: Hard, hard man to get, eh? I've I've been ducking and weaving you for a little while. <laughs> Only just like you know, yeah. It's like I wanted to return the favor. Absolutely, you know. And um, and anyway, like it Thank you, mate. Let's go. Let's give it.
1: Let's give it. Let's give it our best. Hundred percent, bro. No, I'm looking forward to it myself. That's for sure. So, um, all right, mate. Let's let's you know the drill. Let's run it right back to the beginning. Let's give us a bit of a rundown on your your childhood, your upbringing. Sort of. Yeah, we'll go. We'll kick her off from there, mate. All right,
0: brother. Just on that, how long are we looking at? Forty five minutes in total. Yeah, forty five to 20, an hour. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yep. Cool. And um, mate, um. Grew up, um, I always give a shout out to mum, I grew up in a pretty good household, a beautiful mum, beautiful loving mum who um, taught me all my values and morals, who I believe I have today, you know, also had an amazing dad who was a criminal uh, mastermind, uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none, he was. He taught me everything I shouldn't know as well, he's nicknamed Shonky and he's like 81 now and he still goes by that name, uh, he's not in the best of health, but Um, I think it's important to, first of all, mention both of those things because um, today I believe, you know, like my mum certainly helped me um, to become the person I am today, you know, without me even knowing, of course. Um, And the other reason I think it's important to mention is so often when I first entered recovery, and I had 49 attempts at recovery before I got this recovery today. I'm not even going to say I got it, bro, because – I think the minute you say you got it, I think you lost it, mate. So I haven't got shit. But uh, today I am sober, clean and sober for fourteen years, two months and twenty nine days. Um, and I know that because, well, because when I jumped on live earlier, I I not I checked my um the date, but um, but anyway. And the reason why I was going with that is that um when I've entered recovery all those times, I used to compare myself a lot to other people, and let's face it, mate. Some people have some fucking horrific stories, man, you know? 100%. Um, and yeah. and, and it's, it's disgustingly sad. And I hear those stories on a daily basis. Um, you know, people who were using with them. Anyway, um, so nothing compared to me. But the fact is, for years, I felt maybe I wasn't bad enough. Which is ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing. And I say that out loud because I want anyone out there to know who might feel that same way, mate. Here's the fact. The minute I picked up drugs at the age of 14, I never stopped and I never stopped for the, you know, 19 years, basically. I became an animal overnight. Um, it's like I, from a very young age, when I first picked up the obsession and compulsion had kicked in, you know, like I was, I knew from the first night I got drunk, stoned, and on the nitric oxide, I knew I was different to my mates, you know? Yeah. Um you, you, yeah,
1: go, so, go into yeah, that a little yeah. bit, sort of sort of um give us a bit of insight on on exactly what you mean there. Like it, when you say you were better than oh, your mates, you know?
0: It's quite simple, right? Like I know you're looking for something, but this is why I knew I was different, right? I like, I woke up the first my first night getting on it. I got drunk, stone. So when I say drunk, I got drunk on like Stone's ginger wine. Um, maybe it was fruity lakes yeah. No, it was Stone's ginger wine. I had hot. Um, it was homegrown um, Bundaberg fucking buds. And it was nitric oxide, which was um, what they call them then cream bulbs, right? Yep. So yep. I got oh, no, smashed off three of them. Yep. And I woke up. From being like unconscious vomiting on this outdoor roller skating ring where we were having this party, me and all these other kids. And there was like broken bottles, um, um, you know, glass. And I was one of the only people sort of left on that, um, ring out there. There's a couple other bodies right, laying around. and I just, I thought sort I of woke up and I thought that was mad. You know, most other people had gone home and, and, um, do <laughs> whatever they did. But I just thought that was mad. You know, I said, When what's next? You know, so that's kind of why on I your I different, I guess. Um and that's look, I kind of put that into a bit of story too, because um that's the way I remember it, and that's kind of where it all began, you know. But um basically I wanted to do it more than the other people did. I wanted to do it um harder than the other people did, and I didn't also care um, what happened? You know, like, and yet I had this beautiful mum. But I was a, an asshole
2: yeah. of
0: a kid. Why do you yeah. think?
1: Why do you think you didn't care what would happen? Like, can you answer that? Oh,
0: I was reckless, bro. I was reckless. Like, um, for example, I think I, I, I sort of uh, looked up to the crazy, hardy people on movies and yeah. And stuff, you know, like I said, I want to be like that. Yeah, okay. you know? I, I, I don't, you know, for the life of me, I don't ever remember wanting to be something like a, a policeman or a firebird. or um, for the life of me, I don't know what my childhood dream was to be. Yeah. Somewhere in amongst that beautiful childhood, <laughs> that beautiful mum, I got lost probably in the trauma that I say trauma, like in the. The story that my dad took us down, you know, we were never, my mum my and dad used to, um, used to fight a lot. My dad was never around. He was always overseas. Um, he probably, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud on podcasts. He probably got six children running around, um, Thailand or Philippines. Um, he okay. was never there for my mum. There were tiny little bits of domestic violence, but he was, um, I think you'd call it chauvinistic or something yeah. and far yeah. out like yeah. let me say my dad my dad's the best like he visited me in jail throughout all my using and stuff he just um he just was not a good role model you know and um and my mum was beautiful again so for some reason um yeah i think if that all that stuff played a big part in me not giving a fuck bro right?
1: yeah okay did you if you don't mind me asking did your old man have like did your dad have any um any, you know, addiction issues or, or anything like that?
0: Sure. Just so you know, um, Tonks, you can ask me anything, brother. Yeah, There's okay. nothing else. Yep. Just, yeah, yeah. please feel yeah, really no comfortable worries. just to ask and laugh at anything I say. Like, it's all good. So, no, man. Yeah, my dad was always a compulsive gambler, but, okay. which, by the way, just so you know, like, a drug is a drug is a drug. I honestly think compulsive gambling um, is probably the most putrid, um, insidious disease of all of them, you know, like, the damage I'd done in 19 years, my dad could do in 19 seconds yeah. or 19 minutes. 19 no slaps. So, <laughs> Yeah, 19 hits. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, um,
0: yeah. so he definitely had that, bro, and he definitely had a criminal mind as well. So he was addicted to money, you know, getting and using and obtaining more money. And um, don't get me wrong, he was never rich. He's, he's an entrepreneur at heart. He done everything from – mate, my dad – like this is why I love him. Like he literally made police uniforms for the police Olympics back in like nineteen fucking eighty five. He sold gallstones from cows to to Australia from Philippines. He 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 built this magic sand. Do you remember that magic sand um, stuff for kids? It was like this. Yeah. He invented that, bro. <laughs> um, but my dad should be a millionaire one hundred times over. But he always fucked it up. You know, yeah. every single thing he fucked it up. Um, and look, you know what, to be honest, and if my brothers hear this, um, I'm sure they would laugh at me too, but my dad's a poor bloke. He's not, he's not comprehensive anymore. He's in, um, he had a stroke and he wouldn't understand. Well, I don't know. He can't verbally speak like that, but, um, but anyway, um, I don't know where I was going with that. What was your question? You said, in, oh, my dad having a habit. Yeah, yeah. But my dad would my my dad smoked ice with me and my fucking one of my coys, Um, like when he was like sixty five and he'd never touched it before, he would do anything. Um, but he was he never had that bug to use drugs. He would just get money. you
1: know? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, mate. So, all right. So you you know you you're a young you know, middle teen, sort of lad, um, yep, starting starting to use, um, you know, recreational drugs. When did when did uh, you know? Obviously, a, a lot of crime and stuff. Is that sort of when that's the crime side of things started? And um, it
0: definitely started straight away, bro. I started robbing high school canines. I used to skate, right. Um, and this happened in Bundaberg, and I can say this because I got pinched for this at the age of, like, 15. Yep. Um, I broke into Kepnock High or something like that, and they, they found, they raided my grandma's um, garage and they found some equipment in there. Um, but anyway, my point is, yeah, I did start doing crime immediately. It wasn't to get, like, heroin. At the time it was to swap for pot or, and it was for fun, but just, like, where you're going with that, by the time, I was 16. I'd already used heroin. I I picked up. This is important. I was, the day I picked up heroin. Um, is a day I'll never forget, mate. Um, I was sitting in this yellow Gemini. I remember it was Greg's Gemini. Um, Greg was a bit of a actually Greg's a fucking copper. I never thought of that. I wonder if he ever <laughs> follows me. I'm sitting in Greg's Greg's Gemini. So Greg was
1: a was mate saying, oh, of let's yours. Put
0: the Craig. Two together, huh?
1: So this Greg was a mate of yours at the time.
0: Yeah, and yeah. He, I mean, I'm still consider him a mate. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: um, yeah. I, him and his partner, who's also a cop, watch um, watched me deteriorate over the years, and they just had to detach, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. anyway, I was sitting in this yellow Gemini, and my mate, who's my co-offender, um, Brad, um, who I never mention either, but I should give a shout out to these guys. Poor Brad, he's I don't think in any state these days. But he said to me, Danny, let's get some heroin, and I thought, fuck. I remember thinking, I couldn't say no, but I remember thinking this is a bad idea, mate. And I remember he went into Rob's house and, um, and Rob came out and jumped in the car and we were off to Cabra um, to have my first hit of heroin, mate. I was in this dingy little flat in Cabra Matter. Um, this fellow by the name of Wok um, was a drug dealer and he injected me with heroin um, for my very first time. And that day... If anything had started to go downhill yet, it was nothing compared to the, the shit that was about to happen from that day, mate from that day onwards, I never missed a day of being stoned on heroin until I got clean in in two thousand nine bro so I was sixteen, I wasn't even sixteen, I was almost sixteen um I was injected by heroin by wok, and I always like to say this um, I later went on to do jail with wok okay. um. So, like he ended up coming undone as well. But, um, yep. And, mate, that was the beginning of the end. Right. Basically, that's where shit started to come undone, brother.
1: So, did you continue to use needles from, from that day on? or...?
0: Yeah, I don't think I ever. The only time I ever smoked it again or swallowed it was when I was pinched in custody and I was hanging out and yeah. I had gear on. I had to, um, I didn't even have a lighter, so I had to, um, Snorted, I think I did. But yeah, from the day I used needles, I never ever, and this every IV user would say the same. Yeah, you are never going to have any other way. No, I agree,
1: mate. I, as you know, I've been down the, the path myself, so I, yeah. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mate, yeah. by the time I was 16, I was locked up in boys' homes. Nothing drastic. I had um, a whole bunch of thousands of dollars of first instant warrants which back then they'd lock you up for a hundred dollars a day. and um, that was because I was not paying ever for train tickets or, and I started getting caught driving unlicensed. Um, I never had license. I only got my license at the age of like 30, um, 39 or 40. Um, I was, ne- I was disqualified for 40 years. Um, when I entered recovery in 2009, I had a 40 year disqualification and, um, Five years into my recovery, I was able to get that quashed and then get my license back. But um, wow. anyway, I was in boys' homes by uh, at sixteen. By eighteen, I was locked up in Parramatta prison for my eighteenth birthday. Um, and pretty much the next ten years, I spent the majority of that time between eighteen and twenty-eight locked up. Um, I got on the methadone at the age of twenty-one, bro. Um, I knew by that time i heard about methadone. I knew a little bit about it. I knew that I was going to, I had a life of prison ahead of me, right? And what I knew by that time as well is I kept getting pinched and I'd hang out in the cells like a dog, you know, hang out sick from heroin withdrawals for days. And I heard if I got on the methadone, that wouldn't happen anymore. And to a big point, that's true. Like to, it might take you 24 hours to get dosed once you get locked up, but within 24 hours, generally, Unless they, you're stuck at the SPC, sorry, was Police Center for four days without getting dosed, but generally you're going to be dosed and and stoned again. So methadone, mate. I was on a pretty big dose of methadone. Methadone um, was my security blanket. It was like a constant stoned from the age of 21 to t- to 33. Um, yeah, bro. In that time, there was a lot of messy shit, bro. I was I was a messy, messy. I'm going to say a junkie. I was a fucking junkie, yeah. bro. Like, I I would use dirty needles in the back flats of Cabramatta. I'd flush them three times with water because I was too fucking impatient to stop at the chemist yeah. and get clean fits, bro. Like, I was reckless, you know?
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I- I don't know if I've ever said that out loud. I know. Either
1: I, look, I still to this day, mate. You know, know a lot of people that are still like that. You know, and it's not an uncommon thing in that world. You know, it's no, like man. as you as you'd agree. It's like you know, w- w- once you've got your fucking gear, you want it in your fucking arm um, there and then. <laughs> like
0: it, even shooting up, like um. So I would never. I could never wait to a, a decent spot. I'd always and I've had coppers banging on my. Window, um, you know, of the car of a stolen car, um, way, like, while I'm shooting up, you know, and I just would not do anything until I get that hit in me. I've had coppers wrestle me, um, I, and what I'll do, here's my fucking tactic. I'd find the most open space if there was nowhere to hide, and I'd sit in the middle of it, and I'd shoot up there so I could see every angle, like, and that's, oh, that's what I was like, for her, yeah? I'd yeah. Do it, I'd in stairwells, um, Cabra back in those days, man. Do you ever do the Cabra scene?
1: No, I've never, never actually been through there. No,
0: I've never really. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's out there, but Cabra, bro. every single person—well, every single person near me would sell, be selling caps, heroin. Right? Yep, yep. Um, you could not walk from the train station. You could not. I swear to God, you could not walk fifty meters without being asked. 20 times like this. Yeah, the nod. nod, You couldn't, mate, you would get asked nonstop. So I guess where I'm going with that is the flats, man, the flats in Cabramatta were consumed with fucking needles everywhere, bro. Like every single flat in Cabramatta within the first few hundred meters of the station is always from the station because that's where all the fucking addicts who come in were, were covered in fucking needles, um, water, Around what stretch of years. With
1: blood in them. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Around like what what time what stretch of years was this?
0: Yeah, we're talking early nineties. Early nineties. Okay. Um, yep. all the way. All the way through the nineties. And I imagine at the end of the eighties it was the same. But early nineties, um well I picked up where I'm seventy, born in seventy five, so yeah, man. Exactly nineteen ninety and heroin was rife, bro. Like yeah. it was fucking Everywhere and it was cheap as too. Like you get two caps, which is two points for fifty bucks. Um and you know, like but that soon yeah, got more and more. But yeah, back in those days, mate, Cabra was fucking the wild west, bro. Um and you know, the gangs were around there too. Um there was a lot of illegal gambling establishments. I think they used to play Manila. I only know this from what I learned in jail. I I got into Manila in jail, but um, yep. and 41, but um, yep. yeah, man, Cabra was fucking crazy, bro. It was insane. People were dying everywhere in flats, overdoses, you know, yeah, um, yeah, bro. That was anyway, that look, um, that was that was what my whole using was like, um,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, 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 okay, mate. Well, look, I, I really want to hear, um, hear about your, your criminal journey, you know, like when you first. What was it like when you first went to jail? Um, and you know, what was your jail experience like? And um, yeah, sure. And there's a story that I want you to want you to spit as well, mate.
0: Oh, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> didn't, even, didn't even think of that, mate. Yeah, so, yeah my first time in prison, Paramount of Prison, bro. It might have been my second time, but I, I remember it was my first time. It was in the very early days. I was very inexperienced. Um, I was in reception, right? Around reception what age? and three girls. Hey.
1: So around what age were you?
0: 18, okay, 18, yeah. right? Yeah. Um Reception has three cells. And I, I know I've been in lots of jails. They, a lot of them are like this. So you got the outdoor cells, right? They're, you're covered, but it's like you're open yep. to front of you is the reception. Yep. Now, the first lot of cells is where they first chuck in off the truck. Then they move you through to the next lot where they then take you through to get processed, and then you come back out the other side and end up in the last one well. All mate Coming through from the first side. I was in the last cells. I've been processed. He give me three cigarettes. There's a, an empty pack of cigarettes with three bungers in there. He said, "Can you hold hold this for me? I'll get them off you when I'm finished, right?" Well, <laughs> I fucking um, uh, I'm pretty sure I have one straight away, and then the other two got taken off me by um, well, that's something like that. Like the the guy said, "Come on, let's smoke." And the boys in my cell. yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. I don't know what so else like. Yeah,
0: they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Right. Yep. And I wasn't really fast, I just i was, I was a bust, I was so I'm a mad cat. Yeah. Yeah. Well um, I was taken off to taken off to my cells um, in I forget what wing it was, it was like the first wing in Parramatta, um Dell on the other side. I was taken in there, thrown into a cell, you know, um, vinyl plastic mattress, the the blankets. Mate, I used to back then. I thought it was cool. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't remember being traumatised by that stuff. I thought, but anyway, next morning, bro, um, I'm out. I'm coming out the gate, and old mate who passed through the smokes, he was already out. Our wing hadn't been let out. It was probably like a reception wing or something, and they kept us in for a bit longer. He's banging at the gate, um, asking for the smokes, right? Um, and um, and so I'm there, oh. I'm on in the inside, of, and I don't know what I said, but I think I I said oh, I said oh, they got taken off me or I lost them or something like that. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, the minute I opened the um, chief opened the fucking gate, it was on, bro. I got bashed. Well, man, I didn't even see it coming. I didn't even know it was going to happen, but I got attacked just by him. Yeah, it was just by one guy. Um, so I got bashed out the front of the fucking gate. Um, and pretty much that was it from that. Um, There was no more drama from that. I tried to fight Um, I didn't have much of a chance. I certainly didn't see it coming. So that was my first experience with jail, bro. Um, And and look, over the years, for some reason, Tongchi, I always had this ability. Now, I'm saying this clearly. I was never a hard, tough guy at all. I just haven't got the heart for that. But I was always in with the hard Tough guys. I was always not the hardest, yep. but the ones just under the hardest. Yep. Like um and all I'm saying by that is I was always kind of um able to make mates with um I've also got into fights with some of those same mad people. Yep. Um yep. because of stupid jail politics or, yeah, yep. or me getting tied in on the visit and not wacking up or whatever. But I always managed to get through without um being scathed. I witnessed somebody get, um, in the, in the stomach, um, who died like on the spot yeah. at, um, water jail. Um, I've witnessed many, um, you know, pretty brutal, um, bashings. I've been fucking, <laughs> mate, I've had my fair share of drama, um, over shit, man, just over bullies wanting to, um, wanting to just to pick on the weaker guy, you know, like yeah. well, one in particular, I'll share it. I don't, I don't, I don't often share this, but I was in this four-hour cell, and I got dragged off to court one morning at five a.m. And when I got home that night, old mate, I know, I know exactly who he is, by the way. Old mate, um, accused me of stealing his smokes on the way out when I got back that night, right? Uh, he's a, old mate's a drug dealer as well. He sells pot sticks yep. in the wing, yep. and um, anyway, they ended up. Him, so he's got his two other little muppets in that cell. The other because it's a four-hour cell. The other two muppets are just doing. I know who they are too, by the way. Yep. Um. I never forget the fucking all three of these cunts. You know. Yep. Excuse me, but um, they they end up tying me up. So they want me just to admit that I stole the smokes, right? Well, I didn't fucking take the smoke, bro. I'm not mm-hmm. getting this stealing smokes. They end up bashing me, tying me up. Um, like to cut to the chase, they I, I got. Like, touched up for a good hour, just trying to bash me to say, just to admit that I stole the smokes, right? Which, bro, I didn't do it, right? So I'm not going to admit it. They've ended up going plastic, plastic on the floor, um, because they're going to cut my throat, right? This is the, the, this is the narrative, right? They've put all this plastic underneath me. He's got the razor blade out. Um, I'm tied up to a chair. Um, I could have, got out that tied up, but they'll bash me every time I move. So I kind of for some reason, bro, I knew that he wasn't gonna cut my throat, right? Because I knew he knew I didn't take any fucking smokes, right? So mate and this is look, two hours later, bro, um by the way, I could have hit the fucking there's a there's a button in the cell to buzz up to the if you hit that and nobody answers on the other end Someone will come, bro. Like, that's generally the way it works, you know? Yeah, but also, um, if, you so also that, if you hit that, but, you hit yeah, that, then you're yeah,
1: also fucking labelled dead in prison, aren't you, you know? Like, oh,
0: of course, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and anyway, like, I probably would never have fucking made it. But anyway, um, two hours later, man, um, when he's just about to cut my throat, he's got the blade up against my throat. He, he said, fucking tell me now. They'll give me a hook in the ribs. And I said, I fucking didn't take your smokes, right? Well... Mate, um, next minute they've taken the fucking. The, it was like the sick sort of our uh, good mates now, you know, like end up blowing me out. We got stoned on cones, um, but yeah, that motherfucker, man. Imagine how many people he done that to, like tormented, yeah. terrorized. Um And I was the young, the young, um, vulnerable, reader, and I didn't. I was only on escort in that jail from um another jail, so. Anyway, he just took advantage, mate. That's the shit that goes down in jail every single day, bro.
1: 100%. It's a fucking horrid place. It really is.
0: What? One other one, You Let me give this. The more we're on the fucking um, – my side of the wing, say there was A a and B. I think it was C wing, but there was A and B side. Um, one of them had ripped me off, and I'd started – talking a bit of smack that I'm going to fucking bash him after Muster. Well, the message got straight over to his wing, and his whole wing was Ging him up against my whole wing gene me up. They coach me. They're doing fucking boxing lessons and all that, right? And straight after Muster, as soon as they opened the doors, and this is where they fucked up, man, because every single inmate followed me and him around to the back of the thing, right? We got around there, and by the time we got around there, it was on. Um, we're throwing a couple of punches and the screws are fucking on top of us, man, because yeah. they've seen every <laughs> single inmate go to the back of the fucking so yeah, mate. So I i got I cocked a black eye from that he got a good one on me the first hit, but um but yeah, and I've had man other ones who have been knocked out, man. I was never the victor really in jail, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never hit one, but I always kept fucking having a crack, you know. Yeah,
1: fucking nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, anyway. So yeah, that's my jail experience, bro. Yeah. Future man. Um in two thousand and six uh two thousand and one. Um there's something that you probably wanted to ask me. Did you want to go ahead and ask me something?
1: No, nah, you're all right. You're all right, bro. Keep rolling on. Um yeah, I wanna I wanna want, want you to get into the Silverwater um story yeah, eventually. But
2: um yeah. No,
0: nah, that's where I'm going. That's yeah, yeah, where yeah. I'm going. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there in in two thousand one, um I'm in mean, um Old water, it's, it's a medium security prison. There's big fucking walls around. So I want to say right now that, um, not that many people have escaped from that jail, right? Well, it was the 6th of February. Um, it was the 6th of February and it was my girlfriend's birthday, right? Um, I had also been participating in this religious program called Kairos. It's run in a lot of the jails here in New South Wales. I don't know if they got it up there in Queensland. And um, what that meant would be on a Wednesday evening I'd attend this um the visiting area with um my soulmate as it happened and um we um oh fuck I didn't get back to him today. And anyway, we would um we would do this religious thing. Now I used to go because they had good coffee and biscuits, bro. I'm no fucking religious guy. I believe in God. I certainly God's a big part in my journey today, but it's certainly not religious of any kind. I, and, but the chaplain was a legend too. Peter yep. Baines, um, bless him, he um has passed away now, and his daughter heard me on a podcast. That's a whole another story, but it's quite yeah, beautiful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, that day, um, I said to Pat Marcelli, I said, "Listen, I had money outside. I had like thirty grand. It was just burning a hole in my pocket, bro." Yep. And I had been, I'd spent about two years in that jail. There was one spot in that whole jail. Where the twenty-four foot fence had a big barrel, right? So and it always leaned inward, so it's impossible to get up a fence because you have to somehow get out of the yeah. barrel this way. Yep. But there's one spot in the jail where the barrel ends this way, and there was another joining fence where the barrel had to lead the other way. So there was a there was a way up, man, and that way up actually connected to the visiting area. It was the only spot in the whole jail that the two barrels met like that, and made um at the end of the visit. At the end of the Kairos, the religious program, while everyone was inside, um, holding hands, saying a prayer. I've ducked out the, out the back row and, um, I've scaled this fence, man. Back then, I only weighed like 65 kilos. I was quite agile. I'm only 24. Yeah. Um, I used these, um, like pieces of metal from the garbage bin to, to lock into the, they're kind of like rivets all the way up the fence. I managed to scale that fence. I got up to the top. Um, which is quite fucking high by the way. And as I was trying to maneuver my way up onto the barrel, and to be honest, I don't know how the fuck I did it, bro. It was like adrenaline, but I managed to get up on that barrel and as I took that last leap with my arm, I remember looking down and there's as you know, like there's fucking always there's um dangerous fences with because we're way above the internal jail. Now, I'm on the top fence of the jail, right? Yeah. And I remember yeah. looking down thinking, if I fall, I'm fucking dead, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, i so got up, wire
1: in that too, like.
0: Not yet. This was just those sharp prongs that I could see down on the oh, floor. Okay, but anyway, yep, I got yep. up that fence. I end up getting up there and mate, basically I'm on top of the fence. But the problem is I'm still, like, 75 metres from the exit, from the perimeter. I'm still in the middle of the jail. Yep. So I start creeping along that fence. Like this like this, right? Thinking I'm on my way to freedom. And Mr. Singh, one of the one of the officers, um, with the big turban, I'll never forget it. He's, it's nighttime. It's like seven thirty, eight o'clock, it's just good dusk, it's it's yep, going yep. dark. He's seen me up on the gate and you can just imagine this come must have shit himself, right? He's got straight on the radio, um, you know, fucking red alert, he's called the squad, the MEU. Obviously, they've contacted the coppers who have contacted whoever else. I've had to run them, man. I've had to skip through razor wire towards right towards the razor wire. wasn't until you got to about three metres from the, the perimeter. I've had to skip through this razor wire, cutting my legs to pieces, um, and then I launched off the top of that barrel, man, and I... I just, like, like, my plan was always to get to that point and lower myself down yeah. and then hopefully <laughs> just drop to freedom. But I had to run and jump off that thing, man. And I I broke my arm like it was black and blue from my shoulder to my wrist. It was black, bro. The so this yeah. arm is completely out of order. i run down Hawker Street. But well, this time, the squad is on the top of the street coming down after me. I'm running like a motherfucker towards Parramatta River, right? My plan was always... To swim across Parramatta River, right? Shark infested river. Yeah. But I just, fuck it, I'm a good swimmer, but now I'm bleeding as well. Yeah. I get to the bottom of the street. I've had to climb a couple of fences with one arm. Well, this time the squad's just coming down, right? I've managed to get, I've got a head start. I managed to get over those fences and I dive into the river, bro. I've got one arm. I'm swimming across Parramatta River with basically with one arm. I'm bleeding. I'm Mate, the adrenaline is running right. I bro. could imagine it. Like, 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 it was pitch dark, too. You couldn't see a fucking thing on the river. Behind me, I could see all their flashlights. You could hear the dogs going off their fucking head, but they couldn't get to me, bro, because I bounced a couple of other fences. And that they started chucking dogs over the fences. Yeah. yeah, say, yeah. Oh, I don't know they They couldn't. Anyway, I'm in the middle of the river by this time, right? Pitch dark. <laughs> the river is so wide there, bro. It's like 100 meters across from there, right? Yep, yep, I'm swimming, like, petrified. I'm thinking things are going to – sharks are going to bite me. Anyway, by yep. well, this time, polar air is in the air, bro. The chopper's on its way. Water police is coming up fucking Parramatta River to search for me. By this time, i make it into the mangrove on the other side right now. This is where it gets even better. I'm in mud, bro, up to my neck. Like, I'm in this sludge. I, it's just my neck out of, <laughs> out of the water, man. And – I'm clawing my way through this mud and mangroves, so you can imagine all these tree roots and shit in the mud are cutting my body up even more to pieces. And anyway, bro, the water police are just there. They're just 20 meters away. They have got the fucking spotlight out. They can't see me, mate, because I'm in these shrubs. Like they can't. See shit. The helicopters above me, they can't see shit. Um, and mate, I made my way to freedom. Um. Probably about three hundred meters crawling through that mud, I um, made my way um, and come out on um, Parramatta Speedway in this old demolition graveyard where they used to have a demolition derbies and um yep, yep. and things. And I learned from the police report after the fact that um, I ended up taking this little thing called Duck Creek. Now I I don't know what Duck Creek is, but they were all they shut down Parramatta River thinking they're going to get me. For sure, they can't miss me. Well, no, nah, I'm off. I'm duck creaking, bro. Um, I basically um, managed to get it. I crossed the eight-lane highway, James Roos Drive. It was raining that night. I had jail greens on. I was covered in mud, but it was like, it was glorious, donkey. It's like the the rain is washing away the mud each step I take towards freedom. And um, I'm trying to steal a car, which that was always my plan, but I couldn't fucking... I can get a car, yeah. and um, I've got money waiting at my girlfriend's house, and um I um a cab like this Mister probably Mister Singh again but a different one. I yeah. um, picked me up taxi, and um, I said, "Yeah, Bro Smithfield, where my missus was waiting for me because I'd said to her on the phone. Uh, I rang her like about four o'clock that day. It's like this is a phone call from the remand and reception centre. I um, mean, if you do not wish to take this call, please hang up now. I said, "Hey, Michelle." said, happy birthday, babe. I said, if I could come home tonight, it's like I wanted her permission. I said, if yeah. I could come home tonight, that'd be okay. And I'm sure she just rolled her eyes. Yeah, Danny, sure, yeah. <laughs> and, mate. Um, and so I arranged for her to get some money. She had my money, by the way, but I arranged for her to make sure she had some money on her. Yep. And next minute, I rocked up in a taxi out the front of her house. like, And she's come she's come out, man, with, and just in shock, as you can imagine. Man. Like, I've been locked up for a while. Here's Danny at the front in a taxi. Um, after escaping from prison, we picked her up. We went straight to Cabramatta, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. But about twenty minutes later, the police, squad, and all that raided my mum's house, my dad's house, and her family house. That house where she was at. But um, I was fucking scot free, bro. I made it to Perth. Um. So the from, next day, from Sydney
1: to to Western Australia, yeah, from Sydney yep.
0: to Perth. Went to Cabra that night, used copious amounts of heroin. Made it to Perth, and six days later, on Valentine's Day, and I always say what a romantic story this was. I got my ass dragged outside of the hotel naked um, by the poolside and stomped on because I was being, I was resisting. I was, it was I'm sure it was, it was worth it. Um, <laughs> I was resisting arrest, um, and um, so yeah, did, and then I was. Do- do you know yeah, how they? Sorry. How they?
1: Obviously, there was um, a nationwide yeah. news news thing out on you. Obviously, yeah. how, how did they? The story they... goes
0: on, bro. It's, yeah. it's an epic story, but so, yeah, I know exactly how because I'm a dickhead. Because I thought warrants wouldn't carry interstate, right? Which, ah, okay. by the way, but by the way, they don't. But here's what happened: I'm on the methadone, right? I'm a fucking genius. I escaped from jail on 120 mils of methadone, right? While I was in Perth. I had to buy – I bought 50 loaded syringes of this shit heroin they call homebake. They didn't even have heroin on the streets that I could find anyway. So I bought all these syringes that I was just having one after another because I his be hanging out like a motherfucker. Yep. Michelle Michelle, um, was pregnant at the time with my son.
2: You,
0: um, yep. So my son came on this trip us as well, and she was also on the methadone, and I thought – you got to have your methadone, Sean. You know, we've got the baby. I was a responsible father. You know, <laughs> I said you need to get your methadone. So we got her on at the clinic. Well, New South Wales detectives have been flagged that Michelle's got her methadone, and they were happy to jump on the fucking plane and come and fucking all my ass uh, back. To right. City,
2: yeah, I've always um,
1: wondered. I've heard that story a couple of times now. I've always wondered, yeah. how the fuck did they catch it over there? Like,
0: yeah, again. it wasn't hard, bro. It yeah. wasn't hard. Like, not only that, I don't know if it was that or we had to book the accommodation in her name too. So okay, I was yep. like, I was, I was never a clever criminal, donkey.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, so anyway, mate, you've, you've gone back to jail, obviously, after that. Did you get extra time and stuff? Like...
0: Yeah, all right, good. Not many people ask me that story, and to be honest, um, all right, so you're not going to believe it. I'm back. I'll, I'll share a bit about this story. It's crazy, Ben. I'm in... Goldsmith, which is it back in the full max, though, right? I'm an E class owner, right? Yep. I'm in Goldsmith 14, and my coy, because uh, I actually escaped with a fellow by the name of Pagey. I don't often bring him up, but because we're going to this story, I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, he, um, and he, he messaged me this morning, buddy. You know, <laughs> bit of a coincidence. And he always says to me, Danny, next time you're fucking in the media, you need to tell them about me. So here we go, Paigey, This one's for you. Um, anyway. He was in Fordwick 6, which is these are the wings, right? And he gets – we both escaped, so we both pitched. We both got E-classes. He gets a message up to me saying, Danny, through the sweeper, he said, Danny, we're pleading not guilty, right? Pagey's quite smart. He's a big jailhead. He's done so much jail. Yep. He said, we're pleading not guilty. Well, I'm going, what's this fucking – what's this come kind of talking about? Next thing you know, he's managed to get me transferred from Goldsmith down to his wing, right? So me and Paigey are two out again now on the other side of the jail. So we've escaped from Silverwater, old Silverwater, and now we're two out again over on in the Maxo bit again, right? And um he comes up with this plan. Oh, it's ridiculous, bro. (laughs) But what happened was um we got um he got interviewed by Leppington police just before we escaped, right? Over this murder blue. Um now, we came up with this story that and we pleaded this in court that because of that interview, cause he got, he got interviewed for like days in the jail. They yep. fucking, anyway, because of that interview, we said that we felt, or I said that I felt like my life was in danger because, um, people thought that he, um, was involved in something that he shouldn't have been. And I said that I had to escape. I thought I was going to get hurt. And that's why we escaped. Um, and here's the thing, like that would never have worked, but. Peter Baines, that chaplain I talked about yeah. before, bro. This is the most incredible wit. He came into court and testified and lied. All right, maybe he didn't lie. Maybe I convinced him that I'd said this to him. But he came into court and said that I had gone to him with my concerns and he didn't report it. So because of that, bro, yeah, I got right. 21 days for the sentence. I got wow. extra to 21 days for escaping. Um and the moral to that story is I literally partied for seven days. I spent about $15,000 on home-baked heroin. Yeah. I lived the dream for six days and, or seven days, and I got an extra 21 days, so it was literally worth it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the escape was absolutely worth it, mate.
1: You know, and it's an iconic story now, bro, you know. It's like it's, yeah. it's it's been told on a lot of podcasts and stuff, and it's, um yeah, it, it definitely grabs... Grabs the ear of, well, you
0: know. Well, Tongsy, by the way, man, I always skim over that story now, um, because it's been out there so much, but, um, you've, oh, you've got me in a really good mood, bro. And, and I also know these days that, um, you know, it's, it's the fact. It's my story. I, I yeah. sometimes don't like to plug into it because I'm all about the positive shit now, you know. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, I yeah. was imprisoned. Yeah. I was imprisoned in my own addiction for so long. Um, You know, and so many other people are out there yeah. listening, you know. And I feel like, you know, that same prison is what addiction is, bro. And, you know, like today I can help people get out of prison with the work that I do in the community and, you know, encapsulate her. Yeah, um, definitely. Which I hope we can jump onto. But, bro.
1: We will definitely, um, mate, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so, so, bro, look, oh, mate, in 2009, Donkey, so that's kind of the – Mate, my addiction was, I'm just a garden variety fucking heroin addict who was a fucking animal. I would use dirty needles. I'd use dirty fucking water. I had no regard for my life. Or, mate, I did have for other people actually. I never, I'd never been charged with any violent stuff, bro. Yeah. Um, I've, I, mate, I'm a a softy at heart. Um, I've been able to always connect with the roughest and toughest, fucking boof-headiest people and always sort of, I don't know, man, um, skim through. I wouldn't say get looked after, but always, I've always been able to charm people, mate, you yeah. know? Uh, oh,
1: mate, definitely, you've you have had a huge, um, you know, and I've told you this before, but you've had a huge impact on my recovery journey too, mate, you know? Oh, like, man. Yeah, no, you definitely have, it's you crazy. know, just um, just to see how... How you can speak, um, in such depth about you know how rough your addiction was. You know, you would use dirty needles, like not many people will own up to that, even if they did do it. You know, like
2: yeah. but then people, to yeah.
1: but then to talk about how much you love to help people and and you know like it, it's it, I'm sure it has an impact on a lot of a lot of recovering recovering addicts, mate. It's um yeah, you're definitely Thanks. an icon and an, an OG man. in um in that okay, field, yeah. yeah.
0: So, but look, on that note, right, so yes, through my storytelling on social media, I have built um over, uh, there's 160 on Service call, there's 120 on Danny Shannon, there's like 50,000 on TikTok, 6,000 or 7,000 on LinkedIn. I have built quite a fucking a brand and following, right? So because of that, here's, here's one thing that happened, right? When I started doing this first, and it's okay, but when I started doing this, everyone and I just worked out this last night. Let me, you know, last night I spent two hours sitting next, to, um, next to Gary Jubilant. I went out to Jeffrey Morgan's fiftieth birthday; it was a surprise birthday, oh, yeah. and I was sitting next to Gary Jubilant for the whole two hours. He's a former police, yeah, I know, I know Gary Jubilant, yeah. very well known. Well, yeah. me and him spent a couple of hours fucking getting, and we are already mates anyway. Like Gary's an absolute legend and a champion for. Supporting people just like me who are doing yeah. good stuff. He, like, he goes way out of his way. He came on my podcast. He came and sat with me right here. I said, bro, I said, we'll just do it online. He said, Danny, why don't I just come to your house and we'll do it live, bro? Yeah, yeah. I thought, like, he's a champion. Yeah, anyway, awesome. He made this long chat. And what I discovered last night talking to him, funny enough, me and him have a lot of similarities. Every person who was behind me when I had 11 years sobriety, right? I was quite, um, I don't know why this is. I'm just fitting fact here, right? I was yeah, quite, yeah. um, I liked, um, pretty, uh, I had a lot of people who liked me in the fellowship in NA and AA. But ever since I started telling stories, it's like all of those people kind of have, um, they, well, here's what I know all the people now in my life are people from after that fact. Yeah. Like people in the online community are ridiculously supporting, brother. My whole house, right? I shit you not. Up there on that on that mantelpiece is merchandise, cups, um, crystals, um, stickers. People have people have sent me gifts in the PO box. People have come. People have walked in through my fucking door on my 14th birthday. By the way, I jumped up and grabbed my baseball bat because I thought, "Who the fuck is this?" It was one of it was one of my, um, you know, one of my um, team members, one of my supporters, yeah, yeah. Um, come and surprise me for my 14th birthday with a couple of other people, man. Like the, the friendships I've made and also the apparently the lives have changed. And I know that because I get messages every single day from people who say, Danny, and I never say this out loud, but they literally say, Danny, because of you, um, I've seen the light and I've changed my life. Today I got a message sharing that she was like four days sober and she's never been sober. She said her face is starting to look better. Wow. Um, she's looking forward to spending time with her family over Christmas. And she reckons it's because if it wasn't for me sharing those stories, and I don't even generally speak to these people, I answer every single message with an audio message, every yeah. single message I get, and I get thousands for it. I answer every single one with an audio message, but often yep. it's one message. But then months later, they'll come back saying, "Danny, thank you so much for doing this and that." And mate, it's all awesome. I do is tell the truth, bro. Yeah. I just fucking tell the truth,
1: bro. I think it's, I think it's a big part of it is your personality. You know the yeah,
2: the way man. you come
1: across. You're just this happy, jolly, fucking goof, goofy, goofy sort of guy that just yeah. can grab somebody. You know, and it's like, and you, you definitely did me, mate. You know, it's like. Like you, you make yeah, people but, laugh, you know, and the way you talk about your story, yeah, you, you yeah. throw humour into it and it's like, yeah, it's definitely, that's that's a big part of what it is, is the way you come across your personality, 100%. Now, I,
0: think, I think the most important part, just for anyone out there wanting to go on a content journey or a creation journey, are people who are out there who want to share your message and talk to you, I'm just throwing this in because yeah. it's one of the... It's probably twenty five percent of the messages I get is people asking me, Danny, how do I get a job with a criminal record? That's a big one. Second one is how do I start sharing, how do I help people? I've come so far, I want to share my story. So for those people, what I would say is my biggest gift like with you, I don't really know you that well. We have had a conversation is yeah. that I I love that I said to you and I said this intentionally, ask me anything, um, Braden, because I want you just to be as comfortable as we can. Yeah. I, the best way to connect is by being as honest and raw and authentic and holding back your story is not helping anybody. So That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And just share your honest. And people often say, I could never do that. Well, by doing that, I have empowered myself and thousands. I'm going to even say millions of people because one of my, my most epic video is me sitting in the rain, right? That one video, it's had over 40 million, probably double that, views. And funny thing, every single person that I've ever spoken to through my direct messages has seen that video, mate. And they all remember it. And for some reason, I didn't even speak in that video, but for some reason that video changed my life forever, bro. Like that video is what built my whole social media. So if you're out there and you want to, and don't think that was my first video, guys. That was probably my 150th video. Yeah. But I fucked cracked the code without even knowing it just by making something raw and authentic, me shitting in the summer rain, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I know the one, mate. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, bro. Um,
1: it's brilliant, mate. Look, Dan, we're, we're coming. We're, we've, we've got about 20, 15, 20 minutes left. Um, I yeah. want to know, I want you to talk about... Um, you know, and your, your turning point when the day that you made that decision to take this path instead of continuing down that path.
0: Yeah, thanks, bro. I get carried away. I'm, no, you're I right, don't bro. Carried away. No, no, good, good one, Tonky. So, um, mate, Christmas Day, 2009, my life changed forever, bro. Um, it wasn't my first day clean. I was about 60 days clean, but that first 60 days means nothing. i have done that time after time. you Yeah. Know? Um, I did start to do things different from day one. I started writing a journal. I wrote down five things I was grateful for every day, hanging out like a motherfucker, and I also wrote something I did good today and something I could do better tomorrow. So that's my checkup from the neck-ups, my little personal inventory that I came up with, you know? Yep. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure it's been done before, but that's what I started doing. But that I still had the obsession and compulsion to get drugs, man. I couldn't. I was still sick, bro, but that oh, yeah. Christmas, the so 25th of um, December, Christmas Day, I went home to visit my family on a daily from rehab, and, man, I got, I got there, I'm sitting around the family table, surrounded by family members who I had hurt, stole, robbed, I was full of shame and guilt, that day I left there with a bit of cash, because I probably got some money off someone, some sucker, giving me money, because Danny was always a fucking leech. Yep. Um all I was, mate, in my addiction, you know, I'd suck the life out of anybody, bro, and um, that day I left my family's house, I said, fuck this, man, I can't, I can't do this, man, I'm so full of shame, I felt sick, man, and I I said, that's it, I'm getting on, and I stood at the turning point that day, bro, I was at King's Cross, actually, I was at Town Hall, to my right was King's Cross, to my left was the bus that took me back to rehab, bro, and that day, for the very first time in my life, I was about to get on. I knew 100% I can get on. Um, I changed my mind that day, man. For the very first time ever, I saw to myself, I, I thought of the consequences. You know, I just yeah. came from my, my mom and my son. And I thought, if I, if I use, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be back in prison or I'm going to be back in rehab. Um, I've got 49 other attempts of at that. I know that's the case, but what happens if I go and get on that bus on the other side of the road? And that day I made a different decision. For the first time in my life, I did not pick up that next drug. I um, I got on the bus, mate, and look. For the next couple of days, it was crazy anxiety. I thought I'd relapse because I knew I was going to. Yeah. I was so close, but mate, about three days later, I um, it the obsession is like it. I never knew this at the time, but it just left me, bro. And I have never come close to picking up a substance from that day, and that was. Christmas Day was 14 years ago, um, this year, mate. Um, bro, yeah. and I, I, um, I went on to finish that rehab. I went to halfway houses for four years, bro. My first four years, I milked the system hard, bro. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, I was fucking clever because through doing that, I ended up buying a house when I was six years clean, mate. The first fucking person in my family ever to buy a house, um, like, and I just worked my ass off, bro. I got jobs. I started doing 12-step fellowship meetings every day, twice a day. I always put my recovery first. Um, I went on to study. I became a fucking case manager at a rehab. I um, ended up completing 10-year career working in drug and alcohol. I've traveled the world. Um Unreal. Mate, I did this all because of recovery, mate. All I fucking did, bro, is I didn't use and I continued working really, really hard on myself. I started to identify all my problems. Every time I'd have a problem and I had lots and I got myself into a lot of trouble in recovery as well. Like, my behaviors didn't stop, man. I got, I was sleeping around, I was causing drugs, I was stealing, I was fucking, Um, I was hurting people. But mate, when the pain gets enough, you start to look at these behaviours. And I would, I would speak about it. I'd always front up, mate. If I'd done something wrong, I'd front up. I'd sit up the front wherever I was, and I'd man up, mate. And I say man up. Sorry, I just I don't mean to bridge up about that, but I just I'd front up. Yeah. And yeah, i know as what you mean. hard as it was, as hard as it was, nothing ever mattered if I just kept turning up, bro. Yeah. And that's my message, you know, like just keep fucking turning up. And doing the right thing, one day at a time. Mate, um, the shit fight leaves me, and I've had plenty more shit fights. I've kind of got one going on at the moment, but I love, I love a bit of pain, bro. Like from pain comes growth. Yeah, yeah. the more pain you suffer, the better you fucking are, mate. And the more you grow. So, mate, um, about halfway into my 14 years, I was about six years clean. I was um full of gratitude. I just celebrated a milestone. I was, shitting, I was shitting there reflecting on my journey, and I thought to myself, I wonder what I was like when I first got clean, you know? What was I thinking? How was I feeling? And I came up with this idea. By the way, I'm a very nostalgic person. I take photos wherever I go today, and I always have. Yep. And I am also always share those photos with people on their birthdays. I'm just this really fucking – I want to make people happy. It's just what I do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm that day I thought I'm going to record a video message to my future self for my 10 year birthday. Hopefully, if I make it that far clean. And when I started recording that video message, immediately I thought, this is magic, man. This is really therapeutic. This is me talking to my future self. Um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some other people to participate in this experiment. And I did about 200 people. I was quite, I was connected with a lot of people back then. Um and every single person that recorded that video to their future self said, Fuck, Danny, that was amazing, you know? That yeah. was beautiful. Um, it was therapeutic and I came up with this idea to um start this this product called Encapsulator. It was a video time capture which started off. Um I did this mad trip to America where I met all these entrepreneurs um in the streets of in the streets of fucking LA to New York and everywhere in between. And they're all on the hustle, bro. Every single one of them. No one gets fucking money from the government like I milked the government all my life. Yeah. And they're all got hustles. And I, they inspired me to start Encapsulator, which is why I've got, um, New York here. Because man, honestly, my Encapsulator was born right there in, uh, yeah. in New York. The content was born there and I made, um, today I'm the founder of this incredibly unique and innovative um, video journaling program called Encapsulator. We've got 25 programs that's heavily focused around addiction recovery because it's what I'm an expert in. I've now been able to take my techniques that I've used in my recovery and I'm able to share them with people in this really cool, unique video format where you choose a program, the latest program is called um, Recovery with Danny Shannon. Yep. You'll choose that program. You'll be given an introduction from me, and we've got a whole heap of big celebrity um, recovery people doing their programs at the moment as well. Um, you'll get an introduction. Then you'll hit record on your first. There's seven different activities in my program. Um, the first act- activity is around identifying your recovery uh, or your addiction. Um, the second activity is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. This is my journey. I take you through all the steps that I really struggle with throughout my recovery, and I've captured what worked for me, and I get you starting to talk about those things on video. So you record your video on your phone. It's available on iOS and Android, Encapsulator. It's free. It's free to download and to use a whole bunch of our programs, and you'll start answering questions that come up on screen, which will take you basically on my journey or a journey of personal development and discovery made and as you continue progressing through each activity you're, you're moving toward your goal and basically when you finish the program give yourself a bit of a pat on the back and hopefully you've you've learned a whole heap of bunch of tips tricks and hacks on how to plug into the higher forces of gratitude recovery and in this case the recovery of Danny Shannon program hopefully you've learned a whole bunch of um things that have helped me Um, keep me accountable motivated lastly Tonksy on that thing what our platform really provides more importantly than anything is a safe place for you to start exploring and express yourself without any fear of judgment when we see a counsellor or a therapist we always have a mask I don't care who you are you're never truly authentic that's my own opinion anyway right No, 100% I agree yeah yeah well, what Encapsulator does, once you get used to it, is it starts to give you the confidence to speak about anything you want. It's completely private and confidential. Nobody sees your videos. And the idea is that once you say something out loud once, a problem shared is a problem hard, brother. And even more importantly, once you've shared it out loud once, it takes away some of the power of it, and you are way more likely to say it again and even more importantly, seek the professional help that you need, um, to work through your trauma, mate. So, mate, that's, it's, bro, it's bullshit. I haven't yeah, been bro. able to blow it up yet, but this is going to be amongst the top five mental health apps in the world. I truly believe it, Tongti. And, um, mate, if you're listening, um, there is a whole heap of free programs available. There is a subscription if you, if people wanted to support, but to be honest, um, that just gives you access to more programs, but yep. the programs the five free programs, are full, um, programs, and then you're going to get all you need out of those five free programs for the time being. But there is another, t- um, 20 other programs that are a little bit different, unique that you could, um, subscribe and go along. So, mate, yeah, that's encapsulated. Dream Big. By the way, Tom, see this banner behind me. You might not be able to see it in the podcast, but there's a big wall, writing on my wall that says Dream Big. And it says 2027. And behind that is the New York skyline. And, um, that's my manifestation, my visualization for 2027 to have an office in Manhattan overlooking New York. And, um, and I always tell everyone to dream big. And of course, on this side of my room, I represent Australia. Of course, number one, I'm a very proud Aussie. Um, I've got kick the shit written up there on the wall too, which is my podcast. Anyone out there can find me on any fucking social media platform that exists. Even Thread, which I don't use, but um, Danny, Danny Shannon, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and also Sober Squad, which is above me, um, is one of my big brands on Facebook as well. We've got over 160,000 followers. And lastly, I have a community group on Facebook with over 50,000 members. And that group pumps, man. So if anyone is ever looking for some support or if you'd like to share your own recovery journey, join Sober Squad community. And you, as long as you tick all the boxes and you agree to the rules, because we don't want any predators in there trying to take people outside of the group and ripping people off. Because if you do that, you'll be barred straight away. But anyway, if you follow the rules and you stay within the platform, you can ask questions and be supportive by 50,000 people, mate. So, bro, sorry I talked too much. I knew you were going to ask me that stuff. I've done 50 of these podcasts.
1: Just mate, you're all over it. Look, you, you're all over it, mate. Um, Yeah, look, I'll, I'll throw all the links um, to all your social medias, the Sober Squad. I'll throw the Encapsulator link in there also. Um, it'll all be in the description. Um, it'll flash up on the screen in the podcast, mate. But, look, I just want to say, Dan, I can't. Put it to you enough, mate. You're a fucking inspiration to to fucking so yeah. many people. You really are. I mean, um, I'm sure you get told that a lot. So I'm not going to make your head any bigger, mate. But look, you're you're a perfect perfect example of somebody that can go from one end of the spectrum to the fucking complete other. You know, you can go from a, 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 a you know a, an absolute, um, if I can put it the worst way, you know, a bottom feeding and junkie to somebody that's a fucking leech. a leech that it's to somebody that has built their own fucking app, um, doing all the great yeah, things yeah. you're doing, mate. You're, you're uh, a true inspiration, Dan. And it's been an absolute honor, honor having you on the show, mate.
0: Uh, do you know what, Tom? See, I, I, I've been so busy for the last five years. I've, I've only just started to stop and smell the roses and hear that, man. And honestly, I don't know, just hearing you say that right now, um, Yeah, well, I have. I have built an app. Um, I don't know, bro. It's crazy. But anyone out there, don't ever give up, mate. Like, I, too, gave up for a long time, and I thought I'd be a heroin addict for the rest of my life. And today, mate, I really, really do have a life beyond my fucking wildest dreams. If I made a list of all the things that I'd want, when I first got clean in five years' time, I would have been ripping myself off, mate. It's nothing like I could have ever imagined, mate. So um, don't ever give up. And, mate, thank you so much for your kind words. It's so much love for everyone who supports me. Um, you're a fucking legend, bro. Thank you.
1: No worries, brother. Guys, that is Denny Shannon. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.